Good morning. Guten Morgen, meine Damen und Herren. Hat sich alles Gutes geschlafen? Hoffentlich, ja. Okay. Uh, welcome. Let me, uh, let me begin by reading the text of John, the first 14 verses. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I have the great privilege of having four children. Um, they're all adults. Uh, all of them live in the United States. However, one is literally flying into the airport in Basel right now, moving back to Germany. So it's a big day for the Martin family. Uh, it's okay, my wife's picking her up while I'm with you. Um, my second daughter... Uh, is my what I call my daughter of joy and laughter. Uh, she makes me laugh. Uh, we have great adventure together. Um, my kids went through the German school system, through the Grundschule, or in English we would say the elementary school, and then into the gymnasium. Uh, but in the village that we lived in, in the Grundschule, they decided to do a sex education class in the fourth grade. And uh, my wife and I thought, ooh, a little early, but I don't want the school system to be the reference point uh, for my children and how they see things and what they think. So we decided that, that when our kids entered the fourth class, uh, around nine or ten years old, that we would sit down and have the talk of the birds and the bees. Does that, does that translate to everybody, the birds and the bees? Okay. Well, my wife's a little nervous. We have three daughters, one son. And I said, hey, you know, we'll do this together. We'll get the graphs, all the information together. And we sat down with Abby. Now, if Abby ever comes here, you must pretend like you never heard the story. Because I wasn't going to say her name, but I did. So, um, Abby, in her nine-year-old self, is just wrapped her attention. Our first daughter, Audrey, after this conversation, she never said anything during the conversation. I said, do you have any questions? She goes, no, and she walked away. That was it. I was like, oh, wow, that was easy. And Abby comes along. And go, any questions? She has 102 questions, and she will not stop. 
And, uh, but ultimately, this was her biggest question. She goes, Daddy, who knows about this? I go, sweetheart, I'm not sure what you're asking me. She goes, who knows about this? I go, well, your mom and I know about this. She goes, are you the only two people in the world who know about this? And she, yes, I know, I know. I messaged you up, right? And she is so serious. I go, well, sweetheart, there are other people who know. She goes, who in the world knows about the birds and the bees? And I said, everybody. She goes, everybody? And I said, everybody. She goes, what are you talking about? How did I not know? And she was certain that this was a conspiracy out to get her. You know, she was sure that, that everybody was teamed up against her. And I said, Abby, I promise you this is not a conspiracy. We're just letting you know now. You know, we, we have to take our time with these things. And then she just ran straight to her sister and started asking her questions. Audrey was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And, and Abby was like dying to talk about it. Because she was sure the whole world was conspiring against her with the birds and the bees. It blew her mind. Um, I empathize with Abby on another topic. Uh, when I was 27, the week after my 27th birthday, I was asked by a friend to come to a, uh, a Christian leadership meeting. Uh, at that point in time, I had no idea who Christ was. I had no relationship with the person of Jesus. Um, the only thing I'd ever done really well in my life was make good grades, but which meant I was pretty good at school, which kept me going. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I was just a wild heathen, and that is just the truth. I, and anybody read the books Madeline to your kids when they were little? Madeline, right? You know, you're a bad hat. I, I was a bad hat. And um, I should not have been at this meeting, should have never been invited, should have never attended, yet I did. And I walked into the room, and for some reason that night, uh, the man up front who was wearing a uh, Harley Davidson t-shirt and some blue jeans and some uh, red wing cowboy boots and a big gray beard, my kind of guy. I looked at him and I thought, all right, I'll listen to what he has to say. And that night, he told me something I had never heard before, that God became a man in the form of Jesus, and he moved into the neighborhood. That the flesh, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I felt just like Abby. I looked around and, and I realized there were about 300 people in the room. And I thought, I think everybody has heard this but me. I never heard the word incarnation. I had no idea what it meant. I, I had no concept. I had no understanding. And I felt like the world has conspired against me. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking around, I'm thinking... Am I the only one here who doesn't know about this? And I went up after the, the message that night to talk to the man with the big gray beard uh, who has now been my mentor for about 28, 30 years. 30 years, wow. And uh, I said, hey, do you believe all this junk that you're talking about? He goes, well, yes, I do. And I said, I got the impression that everybody else in here believed it too. He goes, well, I, I think they did. I said, oh, man got to think about this. And somewhere between that building at Texas A&M University, the Memorial Student Center, and my red, white, and blue Jeep, yes, I was very obnoxious, my red, white, and blue Jeep, um, I stopped. And I thought about the fact that, the fact, by the way, the truth of the incarnation, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that God allowed himself to become a man in the form of Jesus, 
a human being. And it blew my mind. And I gave my life to Christ that night because of this text that God became a man. And I was sure that there was a conspiracy against me. And how in the world did I not know? Abby and I have this in common. <laughs> how did I not know? How did I not hear? And at that point, I, I realized that uh, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm not going to be become an attorney. Um, whatever this message is, I've got to share this with the world because there are other people like me who've never heard it. And I assure you today, there are people in your lives who have never heard it. There may be some of us in this very room who have never heard of the Incarnation. And what a Christmas story, right? What a Christmas story. What a gift of Christmas. So the Apostle John writes this wonderful book, the book of John, one of the four Gospels. We know that John is one of Jesus' best friends. I think that John would have said that Jesus was his best friend in the whole world. In fact, he, uh, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, you should think, how arrogant is that, <laughs> right? You got to, I, I mean, at first glance, it seems a little, a little lofty, a little maybe uh, uh, arrogant, a little pompous, that I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. What about the other ones? Did he love them? Yes, of course he did. But as I've grown in my journey and I've begun, become to understand the unlimited compassion, the mercy, the grace, the joy, the love that God affords us. And we see it in this great theological text right here, John 1 through 14, that God is filled with compassion. And now, do you know what I say? David, the disciple whom, whom Jesus loves. David, the disciple whom God the Father loves. Does it, does it mean that he doesn't love you? Oh no, he loves you. Paul, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Chandler, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Lynette, the disciple whom Jesus loves. But let me tell you, David, the disciple whom Jesus loves. Man, we are loved. We are loved and we are cared for. We are forgiven. And we see God's great mercy in this incredible act of the incarnation, that God would become a man, a human being, in the form of Jesus, and that he would dwell among us. John was also an eyewitness. As we look at these verbs, I'm sorry, at these verses and verbs and pronouns and nouns and adjectives, we understand that this is not, this is not a story written hundreds of years later. This is written from an eyewitness who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus. There were evenings when they sat by the campfire and they roasted bratwurst, I'm sure. And they went swimming in the river together and they walked across the land together. And John heard the words of Jesus. They laughed together. They embraced together. Jesus was John's very best friend. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, as we look at the beginning of the text, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who in the world is the Word? Well, first of all, let's be clear. The Word is the person of Jesus. 
the Son of God, who has always been and is and will always be. Jesus has always been in this relationship with God the Father. And we look at the word, word, follow me please, uh, we understand that, that words are expressions of ourselves. You know me by the words I speak, typically. You, you know me by what I say. Words are our bridges of communication that, that bind and build our relationships together. So words are expressions of ourselves. And the word was God's expression of himself. And in the Hebrew culture, we know that God expressed himself through his prophets, uh, through the original Old Testament text. God expressed himself through his son, Jesus. So to use the word word, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, was a brilliant move by John the Apostle as he writes this, as the Spirit of God guides him into writing this poetic text. God is expressing himself through the word. But even, or equally so, the word word was a prolific word. There's a lot of word in this wordy message, right? The word was a prolific word in the Greek culture as well. Uh, The Greek philosophers saw the word as that thought in your mind that made you who you are. The word was this controlling thought that philosophically guided the world. And so as John writes with this eloquent pen of his, he is masterfully communicating both to the Jews and the Gentiles, to, to those who have walked with Christ and those who have not. This is a brilliant, brilliant move by the Apostle John and the Spirit that guides him. So as we look at the text, John 1, 1-14, what is John teaching us about Jesus? Well, first of all, Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the Word. We have to understand that Jesus has always been the Christ, the Son of God. He has always been in an intimate relationship with the Father. You see, Jesus was not sired upon his birth to Mary. Do we understand this? That, that, that though he came into existence in a human form on planet Earth to a virgin named Mary, all very important, by the way, as we look at the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. However, this was not the birth of the literal Christ. He has always been as a part of our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He has always been, from the beginning, when there was nothing, Jesus was. When there was nothing, the Father was. When there was nothing, the Spirit was. And this triune God that we worship was, is, and will always be. So Jesus, entering earth through a human birth, to a virgin named Mary, uh, was not the first day of his existence. He has always been. Jesus is eternal. In the beginning was the word. Jesus was with God prior to his human birth. Very similar. The word was with God. 
Jesus has always been in a relationship with God the Father. Jesus is an equal part of our triune God. It's very important to understand that Jesus has always been. What else does John teach us? He teaches us that Jesus is God. The Word was God. We can translate that to the Word is God. The Word will always be God. Jesus, Jesus is 100% God. He is also 100% human in his days on planet Earth. Somehow, simultaneously, he was God and man simultaneously at the same time. Historically, years ago, so today we have this conflict. Huh, well, we think Jesus was a man, but was he really God? Oh, (laughs) absolutely. And he claimed it over and over again. And he proved it over and over again. Historically, in the early church, the question was, was Jesus really a man? Oh, absolutely he was. A hundred percent. He was hungry. He became tired. He slept. He wept. Jesus, 100% God. 100% man. John also teaches us that Jesus is creator. That all things were made through him and for him. Again, Jesus is God. Jesus is the giver of life. In him was life, as John tells us. Jesus is the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How beautiful is that? You ever have any dark days? Do you have any hard days? Do you have moments? I have moments. I have bumps in the road. I have hard times. We all do. Some of us are struggling with health issues, relational issues. Some of us are are dealing with family issues. I know. Um, I walk with you. I share this life with you. Life is hard sometimes. But no matter how dark it gets, on your worst day, the darkness will never overcome the light. The darkness will never overcome the light. I hope you heard that. The darkness will never overcome the light. The light will always pierce the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world. I think Nathan said that earlier, didn't you? I don't know why I get up here. Nathan, he kicks, <laughs> he, he, he kicks some serious hiney when he's up here. I just feel like I'm a, I'm a subplot in the theme to Nathan over there. Jesus is the lie of the world. Jesus reconciles us to the Father. Because of Jesus, we can enjoy a relationship with the Father. To all, believe, to all who believed in him, Jesus, and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is right in the middle of the text of 1 through 14. We see that John the Baptist comes in and he says, make way, the light of the world is coming. And he shows the path that Jesus will approach us on. And, and ultimately, any of us that would follow him have the right to become children of God. And I need you to know this. This is true. This is true. This is not fiction. This is not a tall tale. This is not a legend. It's not a joke. It's not a myth. This is truth that all those who would trust their lives to the Christ and follow Him 
We have the right to become children of God. If you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior and you walk with Him and you have given your life to Him, you are a daughter of the King of the universe. You are a son of the King of the universe. And I do not mean this mythologically. I do not mean this as a legend or fiction. I mean this literally. That we have eternity before us. And I don't know if this excites you or not, but it should. If it doesn't, check your salvation. Because guess what, people? If we follow the Christ, if we have trusted our lives to the person of Jesus, we have eternity before us. What day can we ever have that would be so bad that that would not be more valuable? You see, even on your worst day, on your worst day, your darkest day, the light will always pierce the darkness. The light will always overcome the darkness. Even on our worst day. Can you imagine your worst day? I think most of us would assume that possibly our worst day may be the day that we die. Particularly if we know it. And we're going through that process. Um, In the last couple of years, I've lost a few people. A dear friend of mine is suffering through cancer now in his lungs and his liver and his colon. I don't know if he'll make it. But I look at him. His name is Kelly. He's doing really, really well. He blows my mind. You know why he's doing well? Because he's given his life to the Christ. He is a follower of the person of Jesus. He inspires me. I think on his worst day, it's still a good day. You see, on our worst day, we have eternity because we are children. We are children of the living God. Not a metaphor. Not hyperbole. It's the truth. If you don't know that, I hope that you know it today. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to chat with you about it. Jesus became human and he dwelt among us. God became human and he lived with us. In the original text, it says that he literally set up his tent and moved into it to be with us. That he became the living tabernacle. The existing physical flesh and blood tabernacle. Eugene Peterson says that he moved, that God became a man and that he moved into the neighborhood. If you haven't heard anything else today, hear this. God, in his great compassion for us, became a man and moved into the neighborhood so that we could be with him. Colossians says it so well. Colossians 1. Now Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. Did you hear that? Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. He existed before creation began, for it was through him that everything was made, whether spiritual or material, seen or unseen. It was in him that the full nature of God chose to live. And through him, God planned to reconcile in his own person, as it were, everything on earth and everything in heaven by virtue of the sacrifice of the cross. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Easter. Did you hear this? That God chose that he himself would take the pain that we are meant to suffer. 
that he would die in our place, that he would become a human being in the form of Christ Jesus, who has always existed. And that this is his rescue plan for us. As we celebrate the birth of Christ this month, let us celebrate the birth of our reconciliation with God the Father. Because that is the point. Right? That is the essence. There is no bad day for us. Truly. Because we have eternity. So what in the world did God actually do for us? When God became a human being, the infinite became finite. The limitless became limited. The eternal became subject to time. The unchangeable became changeable in as far as human change, humans change physically. The invisible became visible, tangible, physical, touchable. You could hug Him. You could embrace Him. You could walk with Him. You could share a meal with Him. You see, God came near to us and made Himself a visible expression of God. What does Jesus say? If you have seen Me, you have seen who? You have seen God the Father, correct? I and the Father are one. (laughs) For a moment in time, heaven and earth collided, didn't they? For a moment of time, heaven and earth collided as God came near to us, so near that we could touch Him. So often, uh, some of you may know, I work for an organization called Young Life, and for the last 30 years, my life has truly been committed to the adolescent culture, um, which means I, wa- I also work with a lot of adults who are trying to reach the adolescent culture. And often as I talk to young people, I've heard this question. So if God is so real, why, why doesn't he show himself to me? Why can't I see him? Oh, but he did. But he did. God became a man. And he moved into the neighborhood. His name was Jesus. And he has always been. Oh, he was tangible. He was physical. You could touch him. You could hug him. You could talk with him. You could hear him. God has revealed himself to us. God has revealed himself to us. Can you imagine if God did this today? If, if, in, the, if in the eyes of history and eternity, if this were today that Jesus were to appear If this were the day that Jesus were born unto the Virgin Mary in 2021, or let's say 30 years ago, and the day his ministry is starting, would we receive him? Would we receive him? Would we seek to know him? Would we want to be in his presence? Would we walk with him? I fear the answer. When I think of Jesus today, forgive me, I'm going out on a limb here. I see Jesus in a pair of blue jeans and a really cool sweatshirt, you know? And he's got my favorite kind of loafers that he's wearing. No socks, because I hate socks. And uh, his sweatshirt may even say Texas A&M on it. I'm not sure. But I'm imagining it. I could see it. And can I, <laughs> the chair's up there going, no, no, no. You can put whatever sweatshirt you want on Jesus. But if he were here today, I need you to know this about him. He would be the most attractive human being you ever came across. No one would be like the person of Jesus. He would be the most attractive human being you have ever seen. Guys, all the guys in the room, it's World Cup time. 
and guess what? We're getting together, we're going to barbecue some brats and some steaks, and we're going to invite Jesus. Why? Because he's cool. You're going to want Jesus there. He's fun. He's attractive. Is he holy? Oh, you bet he is. Is he perfect? Absolutely. Is he, is he, is he relational? Oh, oh yeah. He's going to take over the barbecue pit. It's going to be the best steak you ever had. And when he leaves, we're all going to sit around. We're going to go, man, we got to get Jesus back over for the next game. I know, he cooked a good steak, right? We want to be around him. Ladies, in the most holy, most appropriate way, you would think this is the greatest man you've ever seen, that you've ever met. He is everything that any of us could dream about in human form because he is perfect and he is holy and he is relational and he is intimate and he dwelt among us. (laughs) Jesus in blue jeans. He might prefer it, by the way. So the creator, according to John, became the created. Did you hear that? The creator became the created. It's a great illustration uh, by Timothy Keller. Any Shakespeare fans here? Am I the only one? His, his first name is William. All right, there's two of us. All right, two of us. Oh, three, oh my goodness, Chris, there's maybe five of us. Um, my wife will not watch Shakespeare with me. In the university, uh, here's what I learned about Shakespeare. One of my three favorite classes I ever took was my Shakespeare class. And that my professor said, Shakespeare is not made to be read. You're not supposed to read Shakespeare. It's made to be watched and to be heard. And, uh, and man, at that point in time, a million years ago, all the productions were pretty shaky, you know. But I did my best at getting that big fat VHS tape into that, into that VCR and, and uh, watching Shakespeare. And I fell in love with watching Shakespeare as opposed to reading Shakespeare. And I think we're all at least a little bit aware of the story of Romeo and Juliet. Tragic, right? That one pretended to commit suicide. The other thought the, the one committed suicide, so it takes his own life. Then the other wakes up and realizes that the other is dead and then takes her life. Man, tragedy everywhere. But can you imagine if Shakespeare said, I don't like this anymore. I can't take it. And suddenly Shakespeare himself walks on the stage. That the very creator of this epic play, of this epic moment, literally walks onto the stage himself and says, no, no, Juliet, don't do it. Romeo, come back. Oh, don't feud over this. What if suddenly Shakespeare said, I can't take the tragedy anymore. I can't take the pain. I can't take the anguish. I have to put a stop to this. I have to rescue them. And he steps onto the stage, and we're all watching this. And you go, whoa! This is not in my script, right? It's not in my script. And this is what happened. The God, the Creator, walked onto the stage of humanity, and he said, this is my rescue plan. That God became a man and moved into the neighborhood. And that he would be our perfect sacrifice so that we could be reconciled to God the Father through God the Son, Jesus. <laughs> so what? Why is this important to us today in 2021? Well, first of all, this is a critical cornerstone of our theology 
the creation, the fall, the pursuit of humanity by God the Father, the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, eternity. The incarnation is a deep-rooted foundational cornerstone of our faith. Again, it's not a myth, not a legend, not a story, not a tall tale, not fiction. It is true that God became a man and moved into the neighborhood. The flesh, sorry, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is so important to us today because God has been among us. He doesn't just know us as our creator. He understand us, understands us as one who walked among us. He understands our pain. He understands our anguish. He understands our hard days. He understands our bad moments. He understands our bumps and bruises. He understands us. He knows us. Because he became a man and he moved in the neighborhood. Well, guess what? We can do the same thing. Here's what I mean by this. We were empowered by the Holy Spirit. We were empowered by the Spirit of God. John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, an advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. John 14, verse 12. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You see, God's plan was multiplication. And you think, how in the world can you do something greater than Jesus? I alone cannot. But remember, Jesus has allowed himself, the limitless, to become limited, the creator to become the created, the infinite to become finite. And at at this point, at this time, as Jesus departs, he says, you will do greater things than me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will multiply this mission. I will become multiplied through you. And I'm telling you today, that did not stop with the disciples as we know them. It carries on today. So now what? What do we do about this? What's our application? You see, Jesus literally is the original body of Christ, right? He is the original body of Christ. However, the church today is the second body of Christ. He has multiplied himself. And that is us. That is us. We are called to enter the world of the lost and broken and disenfranchised. We are not meant to be in a huddle. This Christmas season, as you look around, who needs a little compassion? Who needs a little mercy? Who needs a little grace? Who needs a whole lot of truth? Do you know that you've got this message hidden in your heart? It's hidden in your heart and your soul? And just like that night when I was surrounded by 300 other people who knew that God had become a man in the form of Jesus and dwelt among us, and I did not know it? Who does not know it in your life? What will you do about it? And I think that's a fair question, isn't it? What will you do about it? You see, we are the great plan of evangelism. This Christmas season, we have this gift that we celebrate 
that God in his infinite wisdom became a man in the form of Jesus, born to the Virgin Mary. And he grew in stature. And he worked miracles. He raised the dead to life. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk. More importantly, he loved and gave compassion and mercy. And he sacrificed his life on a cross so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And on the third day, he conquered death. That is the Christmas story. And that is the truth. So what will we do with our neighbors? Your neighbor on the train. The lovely waiter or waitress that serves you a meal. I think that we are on a mission. Called by God. Called to enter the world of the lost and broken and disenfranchised. Just as God enter our world, our broken world, we now go and enter into this broken world and we give this message of Christ to others. So, so what do we not do? I don't think we need more buildings. Okay, now we're moving from a little bit of theology to just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. I don't think we need more buildings. I don't think we need more programs. I don't think we need more events. Events are great. Concerts are great. I'm not saying don't have them. I'm just saying I don't think we need any more. Uh, a million years ago, a movie came out called The Field of Dreams. Anybody watch it? Kevin Costner? You know, a handful of you did. But here was, here was the epic line. Build it and they will come. And he's going to build this baseball field. Man, we build it and everybody will come out into the middle of nowhere. And that is a lie. Okay? Um, I like the movie. But as far as we go, the church, the body of Christ, build it and they will come. That is a lie. No, 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 no. We don't build it and wait for them. We go to them. We enter their world. We walk with them. We talk with them. We share life with them. If you want to build something, invite them. Build your house and invite them for dinner. Right? Who's eating dinner at your house lately? Who have you had lunch with lately that's not in the body of Christ? Here's what we do. We enter the world of the lost. We win the right to be heard. We introduce every possible person we can to the person of Jesus Christ. We imitate Jesus. Philippians 2. That we would have the attitude of Christ Jesus. That we would have the attitude of Christ Jesus. So, we're typically used to hearing the Christmas story of the other Gospels, which I love. I love. And I love all that we do with that. I love the birth. I love the angel speaking with Mary. I love the wise men. I love the angels singing. But this is what they're singing about. That God became a man and he moved into the neighborhood. That is the point. The incarnation. And the second point is that we or the living expression of that today. God is calling. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this truth. Lord, I, uh, I pray that we would, like you, enter into a broken world and give our lives away. 
Lord, that we would seek our neighbors, our co-workers, the person on the train, the person at the restaurant. Lord, that we would be about compassion and mercy and grace and love and peace and joy. And Lord, that people would look at us and say, something's different. Something's different about her. Something's different about him. Because we are the body of Christ. Uh, today, we are the incarnation. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.